Hello and welcome back to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. My name is Giacomo. And I'm Danny. And this is our 36th episode. everybody thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of our show it's been a good few weeks we have had a lot of different things going on um, the supplement store is officially closed but kind of not when we decided to close the supplement store doors a lot of our customers emailed us and said like I don't know where to find some of these things anymore so we decided to kind of have like an affiliate store on there so if you've always found say plant fusion or clean machine, um, by coming to veganproteins.com, you still can. It's just going to be somebody else fulfilling the order. So um, the cool thing about that is that we're now able to have a lot of other cool products that we couldn't necessarily carry and distribute in-house before. So we'll be able to link you to some really cool stuff that we didn't have before. Yeah, right on. And I mean, in addition to the supplement shop, I just think in general, it, I don't know about you, but for me, it's been uh, very rewarding um, feeling like we're freed up to be more engaging with the community and, you know, create some new content and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. My Instagram game has been on point since we closed <laughs> the shop. And I've gotten a lot of people saying like, oh, I like this version of you because you're able to talk to people and I've been able to jump into discussions on Facebook. And of course we have the new Facebook group, which is a small but good community um, and it's growing every day. So that's pretty cool. So if you're not part of the Facebook group, it's Muscles by Brussels Radio. Uh, feel free to join. It's been pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I've been a little more behind the scenes myself, honestly, just getting stuff set up and whatnot. But uh, I'm pretty excited to hop on this podcast right now um, and talk a little bit more about my journey and what's going on with me. Yeah, so two episodes ago, we talked all about my prep, uh, which is still going well, by the way. Um, but this episode isn't about me. Uh, we're going to talk about Giacomo because he has very, very different goals than I do. And I think that they're definitely worth talking about and they're probably um, a little bit more relatable to most people than my current goals. So I think it's worth digging into. So first of all, Giacomo, why don't you tell us what your goals are currently right now? What are you working on? Well, I guess my goals are, I don't have one specific goal. I guess you would call me more of a, a power builder than anything right now. Um, but I'm also trying to specialize in powerlifting as well as bodybuilding at the same time as opposed to just training in, in both uh, in both ways. So can you explain what powerbuilding is for some of our lifters who might not know? Yeah, yeah, of course. So powerbuilding is when you basically mix both schools of thought, um, meaning bodybuilding and powerlifting. Um, and you use specificity in both of these uh, in both of these sports in a complementary way so that one is helping the other. So what what got you interested in power building in the first place? Yeah, well, I mean, I've only been into bodybuilding. I mean, I've been into bodybuilding since the first day that I started lifting weights. And uh, it was always my dream to just be a better 
and better athlete on the stage and the best version of myself. And that was pretty much, it's still my main goal. It's still my main goal. That being said, um, I, I got into powerlifting um, because of my friends, not because of me. It was not anything that I came to on my own. We had a, one of our plant-built meetups. I think it was the one back in 2014. And basically, two of my buddies, our powerlifting captains, uh, Scott Shetler and Jason Morris, decided to uh, you know, tease me in the way that friends do, you know, in like a friendly kind of way. And, uh, you know, I guess, I guess at the end of it, the, the takeaway for me was like, they were like, well, you know, bodybuilders look all good and this and that, but like, they're not strong. And I'm like, and, and I don't think they meant that seriously. It was really just poking fun at one another. But, no, I think they probably meant that seriously. You think so? Yeah, I know them. <laughs> well, I guess, uh, I set out to prove them wrong. Um, but even more so than that, I wanted to, uh, have some more camaraderie with my buddies. I wanted to join the ranks with them and, uh, I wanted to hop up onto the platform and see what kind of damage I can do there. So just to clarify, you were peer pressured into powerlifting. You were bullied into trying out powerlifting. Is that correct? I guess you could say that. Okay. Just checking. Continue. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a running theme for me. I guess I was bullied into in some way bullied into bodybuilding as well because, you know, when I was a kid, um, I, I got concerned with my image and with being strong to, to stick up for myself Have you school. ever considered responding to positive feedback? Just kidding. That's a, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that went right over your head. Yeah, so negative feedback, positive feedback, whatever. I mean, uh, point of the matter is I'm very, very much so enjoying this journey and uh, and powerlifting has been something that I've taken on full force, uh, even to the point where I wonder if some of it, some of the specificity that I do in powerlifting, if it is almost taking away from what I consider m my main goal, which is bodybuilding. So tell us about your actual goals that you're working on right now. Yeah, right on. Well, right now, my my big goal, my big dream is to qualify to compete at a national level as a USAPL powerlifter. That is, I would say that's my main goal. Um, I thought that my main goal was to hop on stage again and bring an even better package um, and to do that in 2019. But this goal to compete as a powerlifter has become a moving target uh, to compete on a national level as a powerlifter because uh, I, I dealt with a little bit of a, a setback late last year, uh, got a little bit of an injury going on in my hamstring that I'm working through. So, you know, as far as like competing, being qualified to compete at a national level as a powerlifter, what that means is that I need to have a certain total for my, my squat, bench, and dead, meaning all three of those lifts, lifts have to combine with a total amount of pounds. And for the weight class that I've been competing in, which is 83 kilo, or in other words, about 182-ish pounds, I need to have a total of, I believe, about 1,255 pounds between those three lifts. Um, I've gotten pretty close to that. I've managed to, to get around 12, uh, 1,230, so I'm, I'm, I'm close. But I had a little bit of a setback last year um, some, in November, so a couple months ago, basically, where my hamstring has been acting up. Um, my hamstring has been acting up as I've uh, continued to lift heavy and heavier weight. So at this point, I'm not sure if I will be able to qualify for uh, it's it's the national competition is in October, and I would need to qualify by August. 
So my time is sort of constrained to make it this year. So you have six months to compete at a meet and get a 1250 total. Correct. So at your last meet, you were 20 pounds away from 1250. How far away from 1250 do you think you are now with the recovering injury? I'm not sure, but I would have to say probably around 50 to 60 pounds. Okay. All right. So do you have a meet picked out between now and August? I don't have a specific meet picked out, but I'm, we're thinking about uh, competing in June and then competing again in August. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so when you say we, who do you mean? My coach is Jim Eli of Reactive Training Systems, and he's definitely helped guide me through the process of knowing when to compete, when not to compete, when to push, when to push hard, and when to hold back, which is very helpful for me because I'm the type that will push hard no matter what. And, uh, and even sometimes when I don't want to push too hard, he, he knows like, okay, now is the time for me to hit it. And then other times when I want to push too hard, he helps me scale it back. So um, it's been really, really rewarding working with him. And he's invested in me, um, invested in my goal of, of getting to nationals. And uh, this is the plan that we've mapped out for 2018. So what is the plan? Like, what are you doing in your training to help you know, close that 60-pound gap between where you are and where you need to be in terms of your lifts? Well, training-wise, what I've done is basically continue to... Uh, continue to try to get my squat and my bench up because those exercises haven't really been affected all too much by my, um, by my injury. My deadlifts, on the other hand, um, that's, that's where I have the biggest setback. And it's unfortunate because that's where I can lift the most weight. So, but basically, you know, I, I've, what I've done in the past is in an attempt to just see the numbers go up on my deadlift total. Um, I've compromised form, I've compromised technique, and I've utilized my levers my, uh, to my greatest advantage. I have very long arms, so I've allowed my back to, to slowly start to round more and more to just be able to lift more weight off of the floor, for example. Um, and I've lifted the weight off the floor fast just to try to get it, because that's usually my issue is breaking the weight off the floor. Anyway, long story short, basically it's, it's sort of bit me in the ass, so to speak. And, uh, and it's led to um, the upper portion of my left hamstring being a little, little bit more, a little bit inflamed um, on a daily basis. So what I'm doing is I've scaled back the weight and I've changed my form on my deadlift where I'm using my upper back as much as I'm using. I've scaled back the weight and I'm using my whole body um, equally. Whereas in the past, I'm lower body strong naturally, and I would just focus on using my lower body more, even if my upper body couldn't handle the weight. Now I'm forcing my upper body to grow with my lower body uh, in the deadlift. Okay. So basically you're saying that you're, you injured yourself because your deadlift form wasn't great, right? I, I believe so. Yeah. But this is kind of, this is pretty common in powerlifting. Um, you know, if you go online or see your average, like, fitness forum and somebody posts a deadlift that's got, like, a very slightly rounded back, you get all these armchair quarterbacks, like, dude, get your back right, tighten your this, do that, you're going to break your back. Um, and I think that on one hand that is, like, solid advice, but on the other hand, in powerlifting literally the goal is to complete the lift regardless of if it's ugly or not. So you do see a lot of really ugly 
lifts in powerlifting. Plus, obviously, the closer you get to your one rep max, which is definitely what you're looking at on meet day, um, form starts to degrade. Form is degrading. Like before your eyes, the heavier the weight gets. Um, so what, what do you, I guess, what do you think about that? Like in general, now that, you know, I know that when your back was starting to round, I remember saying to you, like, I don't know if you want to keep lifting like that because you might get hurt. But then on the other hand, again, pretty common in powerlifting. There are some ridiculously elite level powerlifters that deadlift with a round back and they're world champions. And that's just how they deadlift. Um, but now that you actually have gotten injured potentially from not having your back in an ideal situation while you're deadlifting, I guess, what do you think about all that now? So here, here are my thoughts on that. There are elite level powerlifters that lift with a very compromised form as well as with pristine form. Um, and so I think it's just the nature of the game and, um, you know, as far as like keyboard warriors criticizing people for the one rep maxes when their form doesn't look like picture fucking perfect, I, I don't agree with that because that is the nature of a one rep max. You, you, you are going to let go of some of your form. Absolutely. That being said, I think it's a matter of how you train on the regular. And I think as a powerlifter, that feeling of going at max intensity and just constantly hyper-focusing on that one rep max, I think that is what can cause problems. When you start to take the way, when you start to take the way that you train for a one rep max on the platform or like a platform lift and you start to apply that to all of your working sets day in and day out, that's when it becomes a problem. So powerlifting, you know, technique is extremely important. And that might seem like a, a paradox because when you see a one rep max, like the form can look like absolute dog shit to, to the naked eye, but technique on the whole for the majority of your working sets should be pristine or you just will not, or the, the propensity for injury and, and the propensity to be taken out of the game uh, long, you know, for the long term is high. So do you think that you made a misstep with the way that you were training the deadlift before you got injured? I think I think I got a little too aggressive. I think I think I focused more on on maximal working loads over technique. You know, I saw I saw that like when I did my one rep max with with a technique that wasn't picture perfect, that it just kept going up. And when I trained that way on my uh, back offsets or the ones after my my uh, singles, um, I my my working weight would still go up. And my misstep was that I probably should have focused on on um, having more having better technique on every set that was not a single and even on a fair amount of my singles actually especially when I wasn't peaking for a powerlifting meet meaning like the first like the four to eight weeks before a meet you should be focusing on uh, ramping up your your power and your strength on a single so outside of those four to eight weeks I think even your singles you need to be somewhat mindful about about your form. And I think it's easy for people to like, it's easy for people to not scale back and be like, well, I just got to keep getting stronger. I just got to keep getting, getting this number higher. But the, the fact of the matter is if you train consistently and, uh, and you train your muscles to be powerful, you don't have to, you don't have to pull it like 95 to 98% every single time you go in the gym to be able to have that strength, be able to be displayed when it comes time to compete in the platform. 
Okay. So basically what I'm taking away from this is train with the best form that you possibly can. And the degradation in your form on meat day will be lesser because if you train with pristine form, um, you're just going to be better practiced at it. So you're less likely to hurt yourself uh, in training or on the platform. I would say so. Okay. Um, so deadlift is kind of chugging along at its own speed. Not a whole lot we can do to speed that up at this moment. But how are your bench and your squat going? Uh, my bench looks like it's starting to possibly go up, which is great because it's been stagnant for a couple of years. And my squat is sort of in limbo because although the injury really isn't holding me back from training hard, it's all. I think it's also hurting my ability to, uh, to see my squat total go up a little bit. Uh, okay, so, so far we've just talked about powerlifting, but you call yourself a power builder. So what are these building goals that you have going on right now? All right. Well, this is the area where I wonder, like if all the specificity I have on powerlifting is affecting my bodybuilding goals somewhat. Um, I tell myself that it isn't, but I think that it, you know, that it may play somewhat of a role because, you know, I, I definitely, I am progressively progressively overloading my volume on squats, bench, and dead. And I do a, a ton of work. But one, like that kind of work is very stressful on my connective tissue. And when my joints, tendons, and ligaments get strained, and when um, I can't get any stronger, I take a deload. And I'm taking more frequent deloads, I would say, as a result. So taking more frequent deloads to make sure that my connective tissue can heal up, is that potentially setting me back in my ability to for, for my muscles to grow? you know, where I'm focused a little more on strength. The other thing is like, you know, when you do squats, bench, and deads in a, a power uh, a power rep range or a strength rep range, you have to take longer rests in between your sets. So there's really only so much you can program unless I'm going to be at the gym for four hours. I have a life. I'm not a professional athlete. As much as I, I, I uh, like to think that I am, I have other obligations and other priorities in my world. So I can't be at the gym four, five, six hours. That limits the amount of exercises that I could add in. What have I done to focus on this? Um, basically, I've taken the areas of my body that I feel I need the most work to bring up and, and as far as muscle size is concerned, and I've um, hit those as frequently as possible during the week and really, really honed in on volume for those um, body parts. Namely, for me, we're talking doing extra, extra work on bench because I need to bring up my upper body in general, so also my, um, my back and my arms. These these body parts I'm hitting anywhere from three to five times a week, and I am definitely focused on volume over getting stronger with these body parts. So you just talked about how the specificity of powerlifting could be slowing your bodybuilding goals, but do you think it helps your bodybuilding goals? And if not, then why why do both? Well, one, I think you should do what you enjoy, and I think ultimately that will yield better results for you overall. The other thing, the thing that I have found really valuable for my for my bodybuilding goals and want, wanting to grow my physique in general as a bodybuilder is that powerlifting has taken the focus off of obsessing about if my physique is changing um, so much. It's not even funny. And by focusing on getting stronger at the gym and increasing the working weights that I'm using more so than anything as opposed to you know, maybe like checking myself out in the mirror several times, uh, a gym session and wondering if my physique is changing, which in the off season, that's very hard to do. It's been very liberating for me. It's, it's managed to put my mind in a place where literally 
I am focusing on training as hard as I possibly can and getting stronger. And I'm doing it with intention. You know, I want to focus even more on my upper body even while I'm getting stronger. And that's going to, in turn, lead me to hopefully become a better bodybuilder. Yeah, I mean, I think most people should and could learn from that. But I don't necessarily think you have to do powerlifting to stop focusing so much on your body. You can still focus on getting stronger without necessarily powerlifting. Like all of your lifts could be increasing and that could be something to focus on. That's something I have my clients focus on all the time when they're feeling frustrated with their progress is, are you getting stronger? Yes, okay, cool, then we're making progress. So you don't think that the powerlifting is taking too much from your bodybuilding. No, I think there's a time and a place and when you when you switch gears and you start to focus a little more on hypertrophy than strength and power, that the way that you develop your muscles to get strong will in turn have a positive effect on the way that you train for, for bodybuilding only. So I think it's helpful to you know round out your muscular development in, in all kinds of ways. And even though you may focus on one area of fitness more for a certain period of time, um, I think it will only help you overall when you switch gears and you go back to, you know, your your main area of focus. Okay. Um, you mentioned, so a couple things that I, I caught were, one, you said your bench had been stagnant for a couple of years. And I'm wondering if that has anything to do with your aversion to gaining weight. And what you think about that. This is a conversation you and I have had over and over and over again in private. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts about it at this point. Okay. Well, um, I, I think that that may have something to do with my ability to increase my bench. Um, and then the other thing that has been the way is about seven years ago, I messed up my rotator cuff and my bench hadn't been the same since. And I spent a lot of years basically rebuilding the muscles and rehabbing the muscles around my chest, namely my rotator cuffs and my shoulders. And just, you know, there's been a lot, a lot of legwork I've need to, needed to do just to be able to even bench, let alone bench strong. But at this point, I think I have a pretty solid base going and it's like, all right, well, why is this the best that I can do with bench for over two years straight? Um, you know, I want to be competitive in the weight class that I compete in, and I'm sort of in between weight classes, um, the 83 and the 93 kilo. Um, so I thought to myself, I just, you know, I cut down and I get into 83 kilo, um, and then I could be more competitive. But might it make more sense to grow into the next weight class? Furthermore, you know, why can't I spend why can't I spend a period of time getting stronger, and then when it comes time to be closer to competing, then I can focus on my weight. And so yeah, I think I think that you know. I don't undereat, but what I have done is sort of kept close to maintenance. And if I'm ever in a caloric surplus, it's very, very light. And then sometimes I think at times I may be even in slight of a little bit of a caloric deficit. And is that the smartest way to go about the off season? I think it depends on the person and where they are as an athlete. And I think that the development of an athlete during their journey is just as critical as what needs to be done on paper to be able to gain muscle size and strength, which obviously is gaining at an appropriate rate. So here, here are my thoughts on that. I, I started, 
I started this journey 22 years ago. I was in and out of it for a long time. Um, and then finally, like almost threw in a towel completely. And I stopped being concerned about fitness for, I would say, 10 years, at least on a competitive level. And finally, I've been back at it for about five years. Something that I have never been able to accomplish in between competition seasons was feeling like I was in control. If I was in control of the gain, if I, well, put it this way, I always felt like I was, I felt like I was in control of, of the cutting process, of the dieting down process, but never in control of the gaining process. And um, the past two years, I've been my own nutrition coach. And what I've learned through experience is that I, I have been able to become moderately stronger and to gain muscle at a moderate rate while also still having a very, very um, conditioned physique. And for me, for my mental health, it, I think it was very important for me to go through this process of my own and to come to terms with it and know that like, hey, if I ever want to stop the aggressive gaining, but still be able to be fit year round and to be able to gain somewhat, you know, I can do it. And I, I think if I didn't do this, I always would have been a little more uncomfortable than what I would have liked to be with the with an actual um, with an actual appropriate amount of gain that I need to uh, to advance myself as an athlete, especially at this point where newbie gains are an impossibility. So, what are your nutrition goals right now? <laughs> My nutrition goals right now are basically to look to gain. Uh, I would say about one to two pounds of body weight a month, but I'm still. I'm still uh, approaching this with caution because, I mean, remember, I've gained 10 to 12 pounds over the past two years, and that's from my stage weight. In reality, I should probably be 15 to 20 pounds up at this point. So I, I am trying to catch up and make up for some lost time um, now that I feel like I'm in a good spot mentally and physically. And, uh, and I think at this point going forward, it's going to be much easier for me to be able to feel in full control of my gain um, you know, and feel comfortable with the entire process. So right now you're trying to gain one to two pounds per month for how long? Well, that one to two pounds per month, uh, I think I don't really have a set time frame. It really depends on how healthy I'm feeling and if I can compete again, because then it's going to be a matter of where my weight needs to level out and which weight class I'm going to compete in. But for right now, I see myself gaining roughly one to two pounds of body weight for at least the next two to three months. And then we're gonna reassess and say, you know, do I plan to compete in June? And if so, what, what weight class am I gonna compete in August? If so, what weight class and all that fun stuff. And how long have you been doing this for? Oh, I just started. I started at the beginning of the year, actually. So it's been six weeks, Roughly. five weeks. Mm -hmm. How's it been going? Pretty good. I mean, I was averaging around 189 pounds uh, body weight, and now I'm averaging around 100 and. 92 193 so i put on a good amount of size right away and as that levels out before i see my weight start to 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 go down i'm going to make sure to add more food again and uh and keep the gains coming and how does your training feel since you started doing that <laughs> awesome i i was uh i was a little taken aback by just how much more energy i had because i mean in general i haven't been hungry and i've been pretty full for the most part but that doesn't mean that i'm at you know like a nice moderate uh, to aggressive caloric surplus, and that feels much different. I'm recovering faster. I I have way more energy in the gym. Um, I have honestly not seen my numbers go up like crazy, 
but I see that they want to move. I see that my body wants to get stronger. And I do notice that my recovery time has improved. My fatigue is down. Um, basically. So everything has improved since you added more food. Yeah, I guess so. so. I think I'm looking for three little words right now. You know, you're never going to get those from me, right? Come on. And no, I just on. said one of them already. I'm not using them all in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I've been pulling for this for like a year and a half. And it's five weeks in and he's like, oh yeah, wow, this is so much better. If anybody ever wants to know why all my hair is going gray, just take a look at this one right here. Um, anyway, I'm really excited. I, I don't have a single solitary doubt in my mind that now that you've committed to actually eating more and gaining some weight that your lifts are going to improve. So I'm really excited to watch that happen. Um, I also believe that it's going to help your hamstring recover more quickly. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. But, um, what challenges do you feel like you're facing right now? I mean, aside from the, the injury, cause that's a big one. Well, yeah, the injury is a big one. What else? I, I am a pretty busy, I mean, pretty busy person. I have, uh, I have a demanding job. I, I work a fair amount of hours. So, you know, there's only so much time I can dedicate to recovery efforts and to the gym. That that can present a challenge in of itself and that comes with with its own with its own stressors. It's good stress. I love it. I like I one would <laughs> I I would almost consider myself a workaholic, so it's not like I'm not enjoying it. Um but that being said, it does it does have its challenges because you can only dedicate so much of your of your time and efforts to the gym. How do you feel now that you just turned thirty six? Right, you just turned thirty six. I can never remember. Did you just did you just say thirty <laughs> six? Yeah. This okay, ladies and gentlemen. This is literally the very first time since Danny and I have met <laughs> almost nine years ago that she has not aged me. More than nine years ago. Well, yeah. Usually, when Danny mentions my age, she she tacks on a couple of years, <laughs> and I'm like, no. But you're witnessing this for the first time in the history of us two knowing each other. Not only did she not tack on a couple of years, did you just turn thirty seven? She actually gave me a year. I don't even know what to say right now. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh. Yeah, thirty six. Totally. Shit, you're old. <laughs> Shut up. Um, I'll take it. <laughs> no. Okay, so you just turned thirty seven. Like, obviously, thirty seven isn't actually old, but in the world of of athletes, thirty seven also is not really young anymore. Um, so, how do you feel? you know, approaching 40. See what I did there. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. Thank you. As an athlete, like what is d different? And are you facing challenges as you get older that you think are coming just from that? Or are you just getting better with age? <laughs> well, uh, one, I feel damn lucky to even be able to do what I'm doing. Um, in my late 30s. Um, for me, that is something that I, I am incredibly, um, I feel incredibly fortunate for. Um, as far as like just sheer ability to, to progress and to recover and to get stronger in general, I was lifting in my early 20s and I can tell you that lifting 
in your early 20s compared to your late 30s, like the difference is there's just no comparison. I mean, I, I could get stronger. Put it this way. I was like one of your basic gym bros, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was lifting like an idiot. I wasn't taking care of myself. I probably wasn't eating that healthy. I wasn't sleeping. And yet my numbers were just going through the goddamn roof. Like no matter what I did, I would look at the weights and the, and the, you know, even, even dieting down unnecessarily at times, I would still be able to get stronger. Now I can do pretty much everything right. Um, with uh, coupled with all of my experience and knowledge, to apply that to my efforts and it's like I gotta I gotta fight tooth and nail. I gotta fight tooth and nail for to see progress sometimes. That that can be discouraging, you know? But here's the thing. I don't look at myself like someone who's in their twenties lifting. I look at where I am in the here and now and I embrace that. And I'll tell you what, it feels pretty awesome to be able to step up to the challenge of longevity and being able to do this with the intention on being able to live for the rest of my life instead of like, you know, YOLO, I'm going to start lifting at 20, I'll be out by 25. And I had a cool lifting career and I was like goddamn strong back then because of my five years of lifting. Like, no, to me, it's a marathon. I'm able to live for the rest of my life and maybe it takes me two to three times as long to build things up right now. But the point of the matter is I can continue to build and build and build for decades to come. And to me, that there is no greater challenge or greater uh, potential for reward. It's also worth noting, nobody ever believes how old Giacomo is when they find out. People asked him last month when it was his birthday, the little gym thing says, happy birthday when you walk in. And people are like, oh, happy birthday, how old are you? And he'd tell them and they'd be like, ha ha ha, no really, how old are you? Because Giacomo is just like, he's forever young in his face and his body and his abilities. You wouldn't, you wouldn't guess from looking that he's pushing 40 right now. Yeah, or it could just be my mind. I mean, I act like a kid and I guess that could be a good thing or a bad thing. That too. <laughs> that too. I mean, I guess, I guess like my big picture to, you know, to continue to work towards uh, the pro bodybuilding stage and then to get better and better at that. Um, that, that was a challenge from day one for me. And it's something that, that I, I struggle with um, every once in a while when I think about it. But um, everybody's natural natural frame and physique is what it is, especially when you are drug-free. And for me, I'm a little more suited towards the physique division, which, by the way, did not exist when I started getting into the sport. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with why I love bodybuilding because physique wasn't a thing and I, I'm not a quitter. <laughs> and since bodybuilding, the bodybuilding division was the only one that existed way back when, <laughs> um, I, I really need to see it through. I don't think that my frame is necessarily well suited towards the bodybuilding division, just the way that my proportions are. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's impossible. It just means it's going to take longer for me to get there. Um, and you know, once, once we all have, uh, maxed out our, our, potential pretty much as far as like how much muscle we could put on the, the playing field is somewhat more level. I mean, you're always going to have your elites, but I guess what I'm saying is like my challenge that I struggle with is like, well, do I just give up my, my dream of, uh, of competing on a pro level as a bodybuilder and then continuing to take that further? And do I just embrace, embrace what I have? Or do I, do I stare at adversity in the face and follow my dreams? And, uh, it's the latter for me. I can, I will continue to go that route and um, and that's my passion, and I got to stick with it. 
Moving on to our Q&A segment for today's podcast, we have a message on the Facebooks from Dirk, and he asks, At one point, Danny was talking about goals, either losing fat or gaining muscle, but you can do both at once, right? Would love your thoughts. Uh, So this is a question that I see on a lot, lot, lot of forums, um, and it gets asked a lot, and when most people, like most new clients on their questionnaire, when it says, what are your goals? Their goals are almost always to build muscle and to lose fat. Like that's kind of what most people want, right? To build muscle and lose fat. So can it be done at the same time? Yes and no. Um, There are certain situations where it is kind of easy actually to build muscle and lose fat at the same time. And those situations are, one, when you're brand new to lifting and eating appropriately, um, one or the other. But definitely, if you're brand new to lifting and eating appropriately, you're going to see crazy gains and fat loss at the same time. Um, Also, this stands to reason the same thing. If you have taken several years off of fitness and come back to it, you'll probably see some really great um, results pretty quickly. Um, The other situation is if somebody is quite overweight, um, if they have more than, probably more than like 30 pounds to lose, then they will likely be able to lose a significant amount of body fat while getting stronger and building muscle. And the third example of a time where it's very easy to build muscle and lose fat is if you begin taking performance enhancing drugs. (laughs) So... Those are the three scenarios where you can pretty easily build muscle and lose fat at the same time. Outside of those scenarios, so once you're past the newbie gain phase, it's generally agreed upon that that's about a year. Some people still see really good results into their second year, um, but usually not past that, I would say. And once, you know, if if you're committed to a natural drug-free fitness career, then, you know, this obviously wouldn't apply to you either. And if you started out with 30 pounds or more to lose and you've essentially gotten pretty close to your, quote, goal weight, um, then this is going to start to slow down significantly as well. But it's not impossible. It's just not predictable, I would say, because we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen in trained athletes. I've seen it happen in myself in Giacomo. Um, but when it does happen, first of all, I would say that it's very slow going. These things are not happening. You know, you're not losing 10 pounds of fat and gaining 10 pounds of muscle. Like maybe you pretty easily could in the first year of training, you're starting to see body recomposition, which is essentially losing fat and gaining muscle at the same time. You're seeing it over a matter of years. Like you can literally look at the progress in terms of years at that point, not months, certainly not weeks. You're not going to see change from week to week. Absolutely. Um, And it doesn't always happen, even over the course of years, it doesn't always happen. Um, There are plenty of theories for this. One of the theories being that, you know, a caloric deficit isn't always a caloric deficit, meaning even if you're in a caloric deficit for the whole day, there's still periods where your body is in a caloric surplus and you have nutrients flowing through your body, um, and then other periods where you're in a stark deficit. So sometimes even when you're eating at maintenance, you're having periods 
of what your body perceives as a caloric surplus throughout the day and periods of what your body perceives as a caloric deficit throughout the day. Ultimately, this the implications of this are very, very small, and that's why you look at it over the course of six months or a year or more, not week to week. Um, but sometimes it just doesn't happen at all. And if you're very frustrated with your progress and you want to see and be certain that you're making the progress you want to make, then that is why most people decide to pick a direction. Do I want to build muscle or do I want to lose fat right now? Um, it's, it's the easiest way to tell if you're at least making some kind of change in one direction or the other and you're able to see those changes in months rather than years. Um, so that is the majority of people who have been trained for probably more than a year to 18 months or so and who are natural. Anything else you want to add to that? No? Okay. <laughs> Pretty all-encompassing. Yeah. So it is, it is a complicated topic. It's even a controversial topic because people think that if they had body recomposition that everybody can and wouldn't it be cool if everybody could... Um, and I, I do think that if, if people ate at maintenance and lifted for years, they would see body recomposition. But again, it would take years and most people are just not that patient. Um, I think one day when I decide that I'm not going to compete anymore, that's what, I, that's what I will do at that point. I will just eat at maintenance, eat appropriate macros, and just continue to lift if I want to continue to see changes in my body rather than doing endless like bulk and cut cycles. Um, but again, it requires a lot of patience. So hopefully that clears up some confusion. I don't know, maybe it made more confusion than they're started with, but, um, if that's something people want to know more about or want me to dive deeper into any part of that, feel free to let us know. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Vegan Proteins Muscles by Brussels Radio. Feel free to reach out to us with questions on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We are at Vegan Proteins and at Muscles by Brussels. And also, uh, come join our Facebook group. It's called Muscles by Brussels Radio. And you can ask questions about this podcast or other podcasts you've listened to. And Giacomo and I are pretty active in answering. Thanks again for tuning in. My name is Danny, And I'm Giacomo. And we will talk to you soon. <laughs>